Welcome to the More Sports Now podcast. We cover both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan in our Jersey studio. And on the line, we're joined by our own John McAlevey. We'll talk some local college basketball. We'll touch on the Knicks, talk some Jets and Giants. Uh, boys, how are you? Doing great there, Stevie. Ready for the Christmas holiday. Uh, it's a week away and looking forward to seeing family. Christmas shopping done. Yeah. How about you, Johnny? Yeah, I got a couple of more drips and drafts to take care of. Yeah, but uh, for the most part, we've got everything put to bed. At least I hope so. Yeah, most of mine is done, but I'm fortunate. I only have to buy for my wife. She takes care of the kids and my daughter-in-law and cousins and nieces and nephews and everybody nice. else. Yeah, no, I'm very, very lucky in that regard. But then again, I, I would tell everybody I travel all the time. Like last yeah. weekend, I was in Nashville and I've been in Florida and we just a lot of travel. I'm not sure if that resonates with anyone who's listening. I don't know if anybody cares, but that's my excuse, and I'm sticking with it. Well, speaking of that, <laughs> and speaking of your travels, speaking of the Devils, how about a couple words on the season so far, Matt? Very disappointing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but I'm not so sure it's completely unexpected, which doesn't seem to make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Look, the Devils made the playoffs last year for the first time since 2012, but they did so just by one point. And they did so with an MVP performance from Taylor Hall. And they did so by having the best start in franchise history. Mm. None of the Stanley Cup championship teams started as well as the Devils did last year. So add it all up and a little puck luck, which all good teams have. And the Devils were able to just squeak into the playoffs. Now this year... Taylor Hall's not playing at an MVP level. He's still their leading scorer, but it's not an MVP level. The goaltending is not as good. The pixie dust has disappeared. Uh, the puck luck is running against them. And they've had poor performances from players. They were expecting more from Miles Wood. He had 19 goals last year. He's got three. Mm -hmm. uh, they were expecting a little bit more from Nico Heischer. He's been good, but... And he's only 19, and he will get better, and there are things he's still learning. But that mm -hmm. step forward hasn't taken place. Uh, defensively, they've had holes that they've not been able to fill. So all the things they were able to overcome last year, they haven't been able to do this year. And I think it is ultimately part of what you have to go through in order to become a solid team that competes legitimately for a, national, uh, for a, a Stanley Cup championship, not just a team that's in the playoffs. And I think the Devils are a few years away from that. And I think this step back probably shouldn't have been unexpected. Maybe not to drop to the bottom of the conference as they mm -hmm. have. Maybe being a little higher in the mix, but outside looking in. And I think that's what's been most disappointing for the fans. And for us who follow the team, and I'm a team employee, and as I cover them on the radio side, I think it's with a couple of more wins, like two more wins. Yeah. They're not in a playoff mm -hmm. spot, but they're a little closer to a playoff spot, and then you can sell real hope. Well, if they go on this run, the other teams struggle, the Devils can sneak in again. They haven't gotten there yet, and and just those couple of wins make the biggest difference. Yeah, and goaltending, you didn't expect a problem there, right? I mean, what's happened with Corey Schneider? I mean, he got pulled uh, last Friday, uh, and then eventually in an awesome comeback by, by the Devils. Yeah. But, uh, but Kincaid's been coming in. I mean, what what's going on there? It's not been good. Uh, Corey hasn't won in almost a calendar year now. He's back on the injured list with an abdominal issue that arose over the weekend. Is it injuries? Well, yes, that's mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, he got Look, if you look at his numbers last year from the start of the season to about now, a year ago, he was awesome. 
Then the hip started to bother him. His play deteriorated. They put him on the injured list. He made a quick stint uh, visit in Binghamton in the minor leagues, came back, just wasn't himself. But Keith Kincaid took over and played exceedingly well. Corey is not fully recovered. Some of it's physical. Some of it is unquestionably mental. Mm -hmm. Uh, As he has fought it, he has fought it. And it's almost like it's gotten to the point now. It's almost like I was saying to somebody the other day, like the problems that Chuck Knobloch went through, where he just couldn't throw the ball. So he's throwing it in the dugout. And Corey, if you saw Friday's game, fought it right from the beginning. And all three goals, even though there was some culpability on a breakdown um, and lack of coverage on one of them, but those were three saves that he'd make two out of the three of for course. sure. Well, one was just a sloppy puck handling. He actually dropped the Yeah, puck. that was the yeah. last goal yeah. that he— that Just he, a freak yeah. thing, though, you, right? No, uh, well, yeah. yes, it's a freak thing, but I think it's because he's fighting it. Okay. You know, he— yeah. Everything he sees, everything instead of narrow vision, puck and shooter, it's like, what's the beer salesman doing? Hold on, somebody's got a sign up there. Wait a minute, there's a light yeah, way in the right, corner. Right. He's seeing everything, and it's just all swirling right. about in his head. Pekka Rinne, just a quick story here. Pekka Rinne, who last year won the Vezina Trophy as the best goalie in the National Hockey League, underwent similar surgery in 2013. Mm-hmm. Pekka Rinne's 36 now, so you do the math as to what age he was then. But roughly the same time that Corey Schneider underwent the surgery. Mm-hmm. And you can see the progression uh, that he became best goalie in the league right. uh, five years later mm-hmm. or whatever it was, four years later. So that's the thought that Corey, Tim Thomas had surgery, hip surgery, similar, mm-hmm. won the Stanley Cup the next year with the Boston Bruins back in 2011. So this surgery does what it's supposed to do. It repairs right. the yeah. injury and enables you to get back to elite status. But as Pekka Rene said to me on Saturday when I spoke with him while we were in Nashville, just what was going through your mind as all this was happening, and he said he fought it a little bit, particularly early, but he said, that's the problem. When you lose your confidence, it goes to your head. Yeah. And that's where Corey Schneider is right, right. now. It's all the psyche, man. I mean, it's amazing. With, and that's in athletics across the board, right? If you don't have that confidence, you know, at that level. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, really is. So uh, let's go. Let's talk about the uh, Garden State uh, Hardwood Classic. Johnny Boy, you still with Johnny, us there? Yeah, Johnny faded <laughs> out. Yeah. I was told there wasn't going to be any math this morning, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Quick quiz. Oh, we surprised boy. you. Well, it was last Saturday. I was in the um, in the stands uh, in the Rucker section. Uh, it packed house. Uh, great atmosphere. A lot of back and forth with the Rutgers fans and the and the Seton Hall fans. All good stuff. By the way, you Rutgers fans who were yelling safety school. <laughs> to the Seton Hall contingent angered me, even as I was watching in Nashville. There's a lot of that going back and forth, and it's actually really Yo. fun. No one gets out of line, gets out of hand uh. with it or anything. It's you know, it's not like there's fights in the stands or anything. It's just a lot of fun, and and I and and the players always get chippy too. I mean, it's a it's a it's a terrific event. I mean, for me as a Rutgers alum, I hate it. What the result? And you know, it's funny, right? Uh, Jerry Carino said it. He said if Miles Powell has his way, there's no way Rutgers has a chance. And sure enough, he's really the only guy who's absolutely going to hurt you. Yeah, and but he had a lot of uncontested threes, and man, he just nails them. I mean, he's, he's He's a great player, and he 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 beat he single handedly beat Rutgers pretty much. You know, I have to tell you, I had a uh, I had a game with my crew uh, earlier on Saturday, or actually right around the same time as the tip off. So I taped the game, 
and I was avoiding people that I knew whose kids that were on my team who went to Seton Hall and or Rutgers. I didn't want to hear anything about it. I wanted to go home and watch it. And I have to tell you, I was revved up for it, but I, I never really thought it lived up. Even though the score sort of got close, I don't think it lived up to the hype that it got because for so many stretches of the game, Rutgers was behind double digits. And then when they finally got it close, they needed that one stop. They got it. They cut it to within three. They left the one guy in the whole building that you can't leave absolutely wide open as if he had the plague and he just buried that three. And then the final three minutes of the game, it was never any anything more than a seven or eight point game. So it was yeah, no, it was a little breath of fresh air, and then it was over. He shut the door, and it was over. It wasn't a good game. Rutgers played particularly sloppy, and uh, it, you know, uh, and yeah, uh, they never really were. They they did cut it to three late, but. Uh, you never thought – Seton Hall had control of the game for pretty much the most of the game, and well, it just – Watching the game, uh, and I was watching it from my hotel room in Nashville, I was a little nervous, to be honest with you, because Seton Hall stopped moving the ball. They became very stagnant on offense. And while I never thought that Rutgers, truthfully, at any point was the better team, I thought, hey, if you start throwing that ball around like a hand grenade and you're not – you know, you're not hitting any easy shots inside. And they had a couple of chippies that they blew. Going back to our earlier conversation about confidence, one team's got it, the other team's losing it. And I thought, you know, there was a moment there that the game was in the balance. But, you know, Johnny, I know we we, we chatted a little bit back and forth among the three of us in, in a text. And, you know, that three, as uh, Powell lost Montez Mathis, was huge. It just really was the killer. Uh, it was the dagger. dagger. Yeah. Dagger. It's funny. I tell my kids uh, on my team, you know, if, if somebody's beating you, okay, if he, if he makes one three on you, then you go out and guard him. If he makes two threes on you, then you better go out or you're not going back in the game. And then I use my famous line where if somebody's getting free and they're just killing us, I, I yell at my kids, what do I have to put a bell around the guy's neck so you can find him? I mean, good Lord, at that point you're but down listen. three. Here's your chance to seize the game. And you leave him – I mean, he, Matt is – who did a pretty good job on it for much of the game – was not even in the same area code. I mean, that yeah. was like a layup for him. Oh, no. Powell's came came around late. I mean, the Rutgers did a good job early in the game. And then yeah. – but but his threes – I mean, nothing was rattling around the rim or anything. It was bottom of the net every time. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that stroke is so – it's so true. And he – you know, listen, he was – if he was open, it was going down. It was yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah. And Rutgers rebounding yeah. kept them alive. Now, they're a terrible shooting team, and yeah. they killed Seton Hall on the offensive boards. But uh, – Tons of shots. Well, yeah, yeah. and that's because they were m- missing yeah. so many. Yeah. That, like, that's kind of the – that's kind of the reason. Hey, right. we had a lot of offensive rebounds. Well, hey, we're missing a lot of shots, right. you know. Uh, but I think the game probably went the way an objective – viewer mm-hmm. participant would say it would go. Seton Hall is the yeah. better team. Rutgers scraps and claws. Steve Peichel is a good coach. Uh, home crowd, for the most part, Seton Hall. There were, you know, nice-sized Rutgers contingent there. You know, it went the best yeah. players on, on the team that won. I, I think and most uh, people would say that's the way it would have turned that out. That Mamu, that Sandro Mamu kid hurt, hurt us, hurt Rutgers big time. I mean, what was he? You know, you get those European players, or is he Georgian? I mean, a six eleven. For real, that yeah. He went to Montford down in Florida, yeah. And and he just, you know, come on. When you you you, just, you know, he's he's huge. It's it's that prototype. Is that Porzingis type player that's like you know seven foot tall but can bang threes, you know. And so he couldn't hit a, a foul shot to save his life, um, which normally is you know good shooters. You see them hitting their foul shots, but but he was he was hitting some threes too. So he hurt he hurt Rutgers without a doubt too. 
And I mean, they're well coached. I mean, they they really good ball movement. I mean, that's how Powell got open. I mean, and they, you know, Rutgers Rutgers played hard, but I just they were never. They were, I was never comfortable. They were never in it really. Can Steve can can Issa Chom make a shot? Nah, he was hard. He, he was horrible. I mean, he, he oh does. Yeah, you know, and against against lesser listen away. against lesser competition where you, you know he's, he's less contested and such he seems to hit. But you know, once you get into Big Ten play and you play, you know, te- in teams like Seton Hall and such, I don't. You know, he, he's, he I'm told he he just cr- crushes it in practice. But yeah, then you know, come great. come game yeah, time, fantastic. And, and look at this stroke. As I said a number of times, I man, he's got elbows are all over the place. It's just a. It's an ugly shot, but you know he has had good games, and he can and he can play some really good defense because he's so long, and he is pretty quick. So he's a valuable player, but uh, but in terms of offensively, it's just it's it's come on, it's across the board. They just have a problem, oh and you know, God. and I hate to say, you know, they could have used on Saturday is Corey Sanders, and then you know to break oh, down the defense please. and 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 because they're just relying on you know Peter Kiss had an okay game. Um, yeah. But I joked early in the game because he still tries to do a lot of under the basket spin off the backboard. And I said, well, someone tell him he's not Julius Irving, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I mean, because yeah. he does a lot of that stuff and he did it early and he and he misses them. He misses them. He tries to do this fancy spin off of the backboard. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, but he is a good shooter and he can get hot. And, and he had an OK game. A Geo Baker just hasn't been playing well. I, I'm sensing the frustration of him having to play point guard. I don't think he wants to. No. I think we're getting to that. And uh, he has not played well. He didn't play well against Fordham. He hasn't played well in a while. Oh, Rutgers is what lost four in a row now. He drives me crazy, Baker. He just dribbles the ball. He dribbles half, almost three-quarters of the shot clock out. And he does all this side stuff and the side dribble and try to get himself free. And and he just fires up these three-point shots. I mean, he... He, I know that they don't have a point guard right now, and okay, he will come in and hopefully be the guy that he needs, headband and all. But he, he it just seems that Pykel gives him free reign to dribble 15, 20 seconds of every shot clock out, yeah. and then he just rises up and fires these crazy. Yeah, and he does a lot of that. that really don't help. Drop step fading shots that are just not. I mean, it's just not too a much. good shot. It's just too much. Too much. Now, now listen, he's a nice player, and he can he can get hot, and he did later in the game. He had a couple threes to keep Rutgers around, but yeah. um, you know he's playing out of position, and you know it's just, Johnny. You're a coach. Hey, Johnny, you're a coach, so it yeah. seems right, simple enough. A guard, you're a right. guard, you're a guard. But yeah, you know, for a guy who's used to playing away from the ball and getting in position for an open shot, what's the big adjustment for? Now have for him now having to run the offense and everything flowing through him as opposed to trying to get open for a shot. Yeah, well, what the, the main thing is that you're used to being the guy and having other people set you up so that all you really think about is putting the ball up on the basket. Now he has to realize where his big men are. He's got to he's got to worry about getting the ball inside. Like if someone's got a defender playing on their back, he's got to dump it in and then maybe cut off of that as opposed to thinking each trip down the floor, okay, I know where my screens are going to be. I'm going to come off the screen, and I'm going to either go baseline or I'm going to come back towards the, the three-point line. So he's now the coach on the floor, and he's trying to convey what, what Coach Peichel has. Um, and it's obviously being – it's been an adjustment for him because you can see he's still thinking shot first rather than pass and or set up teammates first. 
Well, Caleb McConnell is a you know freshman, and he's ready to step up and and uh, and and play point guard. But I mean, not in a big spot like that yet. I mean, again, we've got to understand here they're a very young team, but so is Seton Hall, I mean, a lot of new faces. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, again, it's going to be a work in progress. And we knew this. We knew it. Was, uh, you know, Rutgers was not going to the NIT or anything this year. Um, no. But, and, you know, losing Corey Sanders, you know, and by the way, he's he's doing a lot of what you were just saying Gio was doing, which is isolation and all that stuff. So, you know, he was hardly the perfect player, Corey, although yeah. he can take over a game, as you saw in the tournament, the Big Ten tournament last year. But he's yep. gone, and and they're young, and you know I still you know I think Peichel's doing a good job, and I think he's the right guy, and uh, you know moving forward, I'm excited about it. But again, I think it's going to be a long season and a long Big Ten schedule. Oh, no, there's no question about it. I mean, they'll pull because the Big Ten's good this year. They'll pull yeah. out a victory at home, and and Here maybe and there, one yeah. surpri- maybe a su- one surprise on the road. But no, they're yeah. they're going to be consigned to the bottom of the Big Ten again. Seton Hall, on the other hand. You know, we'll find out. Big Mike East play has Big East, well, right? Big East play has not begun yet. Uh, it will start right after Christmas. They open up against St. John's. Um, well, that'd be a great game. Should be. Yeah. Who's St. undefeated? Yes, yeah. yeah. St. Yeah. John's ten and zero, and off to their best start since Chris Mullen was playing there. Now he's right. coaching there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be a big game. That's at Prudential Center. That'll draw a big crowd, and and we'll see where they wind up. Look, they've got their signature win mm-hmm. against Kentucky, neutral site, but. Still, big win over a big team. They take this game seriously. Seton Hall certainly does. Rucker certainly does. I mean, how important is for recruiting? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of players out there, but how important would you say it is for recruiting? Um, I think Big East play is more important to Rutgers, and Big Ten play probably should be more important to. Uh, right, right, Big East to Seton Hall yeah, and, and yeah, Big Ten to yeah. Rutgers, but I think it is important because mm-hmm. these are players. You got from that star this player area. in the Bronx well, who's going to be yeah, Miles Powell from way. Trenton, right? right you know, yeah, where do you sure. want to go? You want to go to Seton Hall? You want to go to Rutgers? You want to mm-hmm. go Big East? You want to go Big Ten? By the way, we beat them or they beat us. You know, whatever. The, mm-hmm. the story is mm-hmm. so yeah no i think it is important but it's got and a lot of juice they, they don't have a national profile right john neither of these teams have a national recruiting profile so they've got to be able to pull people from the local area generally now look you know uh mamula kashvili is from montford academy in florida and Mm-hmm. Seton Hall got a guy out of uh, Toronto or Canada anyway mm-hmm. to commit to next year, four-star guy. So their profile might be a little more prominent yeah. because they've had success. They've gone sure. to the tournament three mm-hmm. straight years. But yeah. but so maybe I shouldn't say they don't have a national profile, but really it's about recruiting locally. And, yeah. and it is. Mm-hmm. And and another place where they're able to attract players from and it's where they're able to get the uh the prospect from Canada is that a lot of these young men play in the New England prep school scene, and there's a million there's a million of those schools up there, and a lot of these kids are placed there because they can really play and they get some good exposure, um, and a lot of them uh, wind up playing in Big East schools, so they get a look at them there. But yeah, the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia uh, area is loaded with. Uh, high school basketball players and uh, different than football where you need a class with maybe 18 to 25 solid to really good players in basketball. If you can bring in two a year, Mm -hmm. kids that can really play, you're ahead of the game. Oh, absolutely. And and the Big East still has a higher profile than the Big Ten in this area. And Rutgers is rebuilding. Seton Hall is there. So even if, and, and none of, look, Seton Hall was not in on R.J. Barrett. 
Rutgers was not in on R.J. Barrett, right? Right. That was the Duke, the Kentuckys, Uh the elite programs in on the recruits. But when you get down to that three-star guy, maybe a low four-star guy, that's where Peichel is going to try to Mm -hmm. call people to come to Rutgers, and he's got to be able to sell winning. The Big Ten... You know, again, in this area, I'm not so sure how much it sells itself. But at any rate, that's where he goes head to head with Kevin Willard. Kevin Willard might be recruiting a little higher right now than Rutgers. But still, they've got to look for those guys who they can turn from uh, prospects, sort of prospects, into good college players. And so, yeah, it's important. Exactly. It's important. But, you know, listen, we're all talking about how good of a job Peichel's doing. He's in year three. When do you have to threaten? I think at some point, and it has to be in the next two seasons, at least threaten for a uh, for a postseason uh, berth in some way, yeah, NIT well, or NCAA. Yeah, well, I think, you know, a couple of years, the NIT for sure. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that uh, the signs were there, that they were turning the corner. They played Michigan State really well at home. They went to Wisconsin, let it have played really well. Mm-hmm. And then they come out and drop an absolute stinker to Fordham. And the Bronx, and they, horrible. And then, and then and their hometown, yeah, in the home city or the home state classic, they really came out and were flat for maybe I think so. 35, and- 40, you know, maybe 30 minutes of that game. They and were think, really flat on Saturday. And think about it, arguably. I mean, I don't think we have to argue about this. I mean, it was a better Seton Hall team last year that they beat. Granted, at the rack. Yeah. But, you know, with Delgado oh, and, and, and Carrington and all those guys, I mean, you know, who they lost. They lost four seniors. And that's the thing about Seton Hall. I mean, they, they really picked up. I mean, Willard's well, done a, a good job. It no really, they really have, have played uh, They really have played well. So, hey, well, what we know is that uh, basketball's uh, – is healthy in uh, in Jersey. That's uh, that's for sure. But let's move to the Knicks. Let's go across the Hudson. Uh-huh. And you know, you I, I saw your text, uh, John, and I actually watched the end of the game against the Phoenix Suns. And and um, you know, I I, I know they went uh, they let it uh, at half, had a horrible third quarter, and then in the you know they got blown out by a team that has won six games. And then the post uh, the post game with Fisdale, he's just like, oh yeah. I mean, talk about just being completely fine. And I get they don't have the players, just completely fine with being a mediocre at best. And he, he was like, oh yeah, we'll we'll try to fix that. Yeah, we'll look at that. We'll try to fix that. I'm like, wow, man. I, I thought there'd be a little fire there. Like this can't happen. But you didn't get yeah. that at all. I think that I think there were, you know he's resigned to where they are right now. I think so, and I think that he got all of his anger out during the game because you could see when he was burning timeouts, he went through all of them pretty much in that third quarter. He would storm on the floor and was calling people out and pulling people. So, but I, by the time you know the press conference an hour or so after the game, I think he was uh, his anger was all out of them. But but right now they're just a really bad team. I mean they're really bad. And as I I did a daily brief yesterday and I said that. They are. They have been mired in in suspended mediocrity for. It's got to be going on like twenty years now. Yeah. They really have not right. been challenging for anything mm-hmm. except for maybe the the last, like the eighth place in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. if that's good enough for Dolan to keep the building full, that's fine. But as a Knicks fan, you know they have really nothing to look forward to, and they pick, you know, seven, eight, nine in the draft. And hey, that's great. We're in the lottery, but at eight and nine, you're getting Frank Milakina. Okay, and Kevin Knox, who who's a nice player, and maybe he'll turn it on. But at this point now, I think they see with the handwriting on the wall that they might just want to take it down to the wood and take a shot at maybe 
one of those cornerstone players like a Zion Williamson or an R.J. Barrett bring bring KP back next year and a will big it, free agent in? Will it Kevin Durant? Will Will Durant come to New York? Something just put some fire into this freak this uh, this team. I mean, I mean, I remember how locked in I was in the '90s. I, I couldn't have been a bigger Nick fan. I was so fired up. It was so much fun, and it yeah. just feels like it's such a long time, right? No, it's yeah. been 20 years. Yeah, it's um, it. and it'll be another few before they're at that level again. If they if they get there, even then, uh, it is going to be a while. But I think what they're doing is the right thing. Mm-hmm. You can't keep yeah. chasing uh, the way they have now. The NBA, you can you need to get a couple of pieces, and then you can go out and sign free agents. And to your point earlier, John, about how you get good in college basketball, you can get good maybe great just as quickly in the NBA in a similar fashion. You get two players yeah. one year, get a player the next, and then you go out and get the next franchise player via free agency. So I think there are some pieces there, but I, you know, I, I think it is what it is. It's, it is a designed fall to the lower part of the standings to ensure a high pick mm. and a great player yeah. coming their way. I don't think there's any question. And I think the biggest part of that is that they're just not going to rush Porzingis back. There's no reason to do that now, mm-hmm. first of all, for his health. But second of all, because, you know, he could get hot there and they could wind up winning some games in, you know, mid to late February that cost them. You know, like I said, as of yesterday, if the draft were yesterday, they would have the fifth pick which would mean that they were three spots away from taking one of the two consensus top phenomenal players that everybody thinks should be really good. And, you know, if you're that close, I mean, they have nine wins and the next lowest teams, I think have seven wins. So they're, they're, they're right, right there. there in the mix. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're right there. that's why that loss to the Suns was big. Yes. Like, yeah, see, that's, that's why I mean. Fizdale, when well, he calmed down, wasn't the, that upset. The, the tanking text there, John, that you sent us. So, uh, I guess, and that's what they're doing. Right. And here's the thing. I guess there's something to that. And you can argue, you can argue that it's, it's not fair, right? It's not fair that teams should lose to win in the draft, right? You can argue that it's not fair to the people who are buying tickets to watch that particular brand of basketball. And these numbers, these ticket numbers are high, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can say it's not fair. But they're buying them. They understand. Look, if you are the former Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron in any iteration, yeah. even if you didn't win a championship, of course, eventually won one, you were happy. You were seeing one of the best players ever, maybe the best player ever, and your team was winning. Uh, John, tell them that uh, we'll be done with the show in about 15 minutes. That might be Zion right now. All right. Is he saying he's not coming out if the Knicks are going to pick him? Uh-huh. Is he going to pull an Eli? Is he going to pull an Eli Manning? If you draft me, I will not sign. But, yeah. at, any, but at any rate, um, and, and you know, obviously you can go on and on about great teams with great players. And, you know, whether it's Golden State winning championships or teams falling just short, as long as they've got great players and are competitive – Really competitive, winning most of their games. Fans love that. But how about what is middling in sports? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. do you want to be the Washington Wizards or do you want to be the Knicks of recent times where you're not really that good, but you're good enough to avoid the bottom? So, I yeah. think I think we've reached the point now. It certainly is true in hockey where you have these enormous roller coaster swings where you put together a campaign, you fall to the bottom. You get as many good draft picks as you can. You better hit on them, right? I mean, if you have bad scouting or you make poor decisions, you'll be set back even farther. But you're going to be bad, but you start to build from within. 
with good draft picks, and then suddenly you have a window that's like eight to ten years where you yeah. might win a championship. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, you win two, but you might win one. And then it's all good because you're winning games night in and night out, and it's a great ten-year run, but it's going to come to an end because you have a salary cap in hockey, and you can't sustain it Chicago forever. Chicago Blackhawks. Los right? Angeles Kings, recent mm-hmm. examples. That's what happens. But I think yeah. that's I think that's what it is. Or you can be sustained okay. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, yeah. we win, but we get well, knocked out in the first round every year. And then, all right, what val- I mean, is there a value to that? I don't I, well, I don't know. John, I hate to do this to you, but it's a good segue into the Giants who went out meekly, 17 nothing, oh. did nothing on offense. And then you're in a situation now where, okay, you're on the outside looking in, but yet you still you can end the season with six or seven wins. What what good is that? You're just gonna get a middle of the road draft pick or middle of the middle of the first round. Not a good draft pick, but still middle of the first round, as opposed to, you know, if you're if you're bad, be real bad. I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? Well, they're trying. <laughs> they're trying. These people that were getting on board for this run that the Giants and they're still mathematically into making the playoffs, those people, that was like lunacy. I mean, the Giants were done at one and seven. They were left to the side of the road. The fact that they, they beat like some pathetic teams like the Mark Sanchez led Washington Redskins a couple of weeks ago. That was one of the worst football teams I have ever seen. Listen, we saw the Giants, what they were on Sunday. They got shut out by... Eh, a pretty good team, but listen, this is all about next year for them. And can Odell stay on the field? I mean, all we hear yeah. about is how, how you know, indispensable he is. The guy really never plays. He's hurt yeah. all the time, and he's getting his IV bags and all of this stuff. But, um, yeah, it, this is all about next year. And what they did let happen, if the Giants do want to draft a quarterback, they have now let the Jacksonville Jaguars jump ahead of them who if they want to, obviously they're going to draft a quarterback because they've already thrown Blake Bortles out the window. If there's a quarterback there, they are going to get the number one quarterback. If there's mm-hmm. somebody that, um, you know, the Giants were thinking about going that route, but you're right. They're just going to pick like six or seven, which is sort of uh, Nickville. Yeah. And we'll, and you know, after the fact, and this is obviously toward the end of the season, you got Saquon Barkley on your, uh, on your bench I has Sam Darnold. You saw what he's done with the Jets. I mean, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but would you like to see him in blue? You know, um, I, you know something. Oh, I know point, it's a tough I one because because Barkley's a terrific player. So I mean, it's still a, it's it's still a, a, a tough question. But go ahead. You know, Barkley is so good. I mean, that guy is. I mean, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. That guy is going to uh, to Canton on a skateboard. I mean, he's mm-hmm. that good. He could be one of the all-time greats. I mean, it, it, the things that he's doing already, he's already been chosen for the Pro Bowl. But you're right. This is a quarterback-driven league, and Darnold has shown some flashes. He hasn't been great. I mean, Barkley has been great. Darnold has been men's amends in a lot of games. He's been hurt. But he at least is a young quarterback that you can build around. Let's see what the Giants wind up doing. Maybe they. Well, the point is that you have to you had your chance that you had your chance in that draft and and you, and you took Barkley certainly not a, a, a bad pick I'm not suggesting that in any way he's a great player right. but it's just it's that's that's the conundrum right it's like well you know what these kind of quarterbacks only come around so many and then 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 the whole thing about Eli you know I hear from one camp that Eli's absolutely done and the next you, know, you hear from people that saying that he's he's got two more years in him and isn't yeah. it interesting, by the way, isn't it interesting? Because that draft that you alluded to, Matt, earlier where he, with Eli, 
you know, Philip Rivers, still a very effective quarterback who could very well find himself in the Super Bowl this year with a good Chargers he's team. A, he could win the MVP this year. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, listen, you know, Eli's won two rings, so, and Philip, Phil has none. So, uh, there's that. Yeah. Look, the thing, though, about Saquon Barkley is you've got a running back. If you look at the teams, where's Kansas City? I mean, I know they're 11 and three, but where's Kansas City without Kareem Hunt, Mm -hmm. right? They look vulnerable. Uh, What has Todd Gurley done? In Los Angeles, so you need to have a running game as well. Mm-hmm. This is not, yeah. you know, this is not the yeah. uh, this is not indoor football, man. Right. So <laughs> the Giants have a great running back. They should have a great receiver. And John, I agree, he's not been on the field enough, but we know his skill. If they yeah. can, and and they have to address the offensive line, that's a yeah. major issue. But as they have this year, they got a little better. So Eli probably does have still a little life in him, but I do think they probably have to look elsewhere and an inter there doesn't appear to be a great quarterback available in this draft although you can go back to past drafts and find guys that came uh, out of nowhere to become very very good but uh you know maybe maybe they need a stopgap you know it, it's time to put Eli Manning in the past because he rep he doesn't represent the future no no so that to me that's that the case the question Yep, that begs the question: If uh, if Oregon's Justin Herbert comes out, would the Giants draft him? How about coming out of nowhere since the beginning of the year? Dwayne Haskins yeah. from Ohio State, mm-hmm. the big prototypical big arm, doesn't really move so great, but a guy like that will probably come out and will be there if and when the Giants pick in the top ten. So mm-hmm. you know, you, do you take a guy like that and and groom him, bring in maybe a Teddy Bridgewater or someone like that, and let them sort of teach teach the ropes or do you go for uh, another swing with Eli around the, the merry-go-round? I think they're. Go- I think they are going to go with Eli because he clearly is a favorite of ownership, and there's no question that. And they should. They own the team. They're paying the bills. Yeah. But there's no question that the Mara family is very much fond of Eli, and they are going to tell Dave Gettleman, "Yeah, we need a solution, but our solution at least next year is on our team." Yes, I agree 100%. He'll be back. Yep. And, John, it has to be frustrating as a Giant fan to see with the NFC East as wide open as it was this year. I mean, it looks like the Eagles took a bit of a dive. Dallas isn't all that great. I mean, you see what the yeah. skins are and all that stuff. So, this really, it's got to be frustrating that, the you know, that it was pretty wide open there. And the Giants still had an opportunity Sunday afternoon. And that was, they they were home. I know the weather was horrendous, but, boy, that was, that was yeah. a, just a bad performance. My biggest question is, what were those people thinking standing out in that? <laughs> I know, especially yeah. by the oh, end when the game was over, right? God. But then the again, Giants- I was young and foolish at one point too. <laughs> um, now yeah. I'm not. Now I'm just not young, right? Yeah, you know, I would, I would be, but I, but I agree with you. Yeah. Look at that rain coming down, and it was kind of bone chilling. But they were out oh, there. Here's yeah. the question I have. I know it's it's only been one year that he, Dave Gettleman gets a pass here. No, like he, not in my book. Right? So no, he, he went out and got Saquon Barkley. He drafted him, and I think it was a great pick, and I thought that was the pick they should make. They sign Odell Beckham. Yeah. They know they have a quarterback that needs an offensive line. He didn't fix it. Yeah. He didn't fix it. How does no. he How does he slide? Is it because it's his first year? I mean, everyone's questioning, and McCagnan's been there longer for the Jets. I get it. Um, and they've not had success, and so I understand why he is on the hot seat. But they, they – 
Nobody says Dave Gettleman has done anything uh, bad. And he, what has he, he done? In, he spent a lot of money, and they stink. He came in screaming about the hog mollies and how everything is built up front, and that offensive line, they uh, they rearranged the furniture, the deck furniture, and, and they were awful for the Horrendous. first seven or eight games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. He, he's got to rebuild this all over again in this offseason. No question. That is the number one area they have to improve in. And if they can give e- – look, Eli can't throw – I mean, he was never, you know, the, the real gunslinger, right? I mean, he didn't have, let me throw the ball, 90 yards on a dime mm-hmm. kind of arm. Yes. Great leader, made the throws that needed to be made. He can't make – he can't make the good I – mean, that – I know the game was over and it didn't matter if they scored or not just to avert the shutout. But like that last pass, I know the conditions were crappy, but like it was a waffler. Yeah. He doesn't have that kind of arm anymore, but he needs time. No. And they got to no. get that line. I think he can be reasonably effective. What's uh, reasonably effective if he has time? And so fix that line. And then if you yeah. fix the line and he can pass because, yeah. because he'll have time, then – Makes the running game more effective, which makes the passing game more effective, and maybe there's a little life. Championship life, uh, no, but life in the Giants. Mm-hmm. But well, that- the game, the pro- professional football is one in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. And the offensive line, you know, Nate Solder has turned out to be not a bust, but he has not been very good. Will Hernandez, the jury's still out. He's been pretty good as a young guy. The rest of the offensive line, you know, who are these guys? They should wear name tags that say, hello, my name is, because no one really knows who they are. And probably none of them will be back next year. And then you go to the other side of the ball. I mean, can can they find the quarterback? I mean, they haven't had a sack in forever. Um, The the big, uh, big guy they brought in a year ago needs Siri to get to the, to the quarterback. I mean, he hasn't. (laughs) Had a, they haven't had a pass rush in forever. I mean, I don't understand how you can win games. And then the defensive backs, it's hard to cover when the quarterback is back there having a sandwich and being able to pick apart whoever he wants to throw to. So, you know, I, I, they have to rebuild that. So, And, you know, there's a lot of great defensive linemen in this year's draft. So the Giants will be tempted to take one of these top defensive tackles, defensive linemen, um, uh, linebackers. If they're not going to take their quarterback up front, they should take one of those guys. Well, this we know. No playoffs in New York in the NFL. Look elsewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then one more. New. I'll leave you with one more. I, I think we know the answer to this question, but is, is Todd Bowles gone at the after the end of the year, or is that you know, not all a foregone signs conclusion? Point that way. You know, all signs point that way. I mean, what? They're going to finish maybe 6-10, and 10, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. I mean, that was— that He's was been a dead man walking for, for about a few five weeks. weeks now. For yeah, a few weeks. Yeah, for sure. And they had, they had some flashes there, but uh, but the one positive there is, I mean, Sam Darnold uh, appears to be the real deal. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a fantastic. And, and remember this, yeah. remember this: a GM has one bullet, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. and that's firing the coach. Because after that, if the team's not good, it's on him. You didn't and put together McCagnin a good team on his way, so, okay. right? Exactly. Right. So, so if McCagnin sticks around, it's going to be because he fired. Fires mm-hmm. the coach, and they said, "Okay, now let's see if it's the right. coach or oh, it's the oh, right. it's the players." And right. you're the one who yep. put the players together. So, yeah, Bowles will be gone because it'll protect McCagnin's job, and then we'll see what mm-hmm. the future holds. That's what I was going to say. I know Bowles is gone. The question I had is, will McCagnin be the guy picking the groceries next year? Whatever, yeah, we'll see. Whoever is the general manager, it's painfully obvious. 
that they have to find Sam Darnold a number one wide receiver. They mm-hmm. just don't have it. Robbie Anderson is nice, and Quincy Anoon was nice. He can't stay on the field either. They have to find this kid someone he can throw to, a big wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, running game would help, yep. too. Yeah, that helps, absolutely. absolutely. But you're right, that that's an area they need to address. Defensively, they're they're okay. They'll be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got some studs there, but, yeah, they got it. And up front, they're not bad. Their offensive line's not horrible. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there are some pieces there, which is why yep. Bowles will go, because McCagnin can go to the Johnson yeah. family and say, hey, we had pieces here, we should be better. Maybe not a, a Super Bowl team, but we should be better. I'll get a coach, we'll add a couple of pieces, and we'll be okay. Right. And, you know, and they need an energy guy. I mean, that's not what they got in, in Bowles, that's for sure, right? You know, I mean, we all talk about uh, McVay over in uh, with L.A., who's done a terrific job, but, you know, you know, but that's also getting these younger guys is that's, you know, look, I mean, that's Billy not B always a Billy B is not a dynamo on the mm-hmm. sideline. Who's yeah. that? Billy B <laughs> in New true. England. Okay. Right? Yeah. He's not, he's not yeah. a, you know. You're, you're right. But he gets the job done. He I know. Does. I mean, I think that it hurt Todd Bowles when the team lost that he wasn't fiery, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't in this animated area. on the I sideline. Mean, that's what you, we're hitting Chris Ash with, you know? I mean, just get, give us some fire, man. And, you know, because it, it seems to be in this area. It's in New York, New Jersey area. It's, it's, it's what you want, more emotion. No, I want um, winning. Okay. Right, I'll well, take no, winning, winning, oh, winning at the it. end of the day. But when you're losing it, um, I don't know. If losing with fire means anything, maybe, I don't know. I'm blowing smoke I want to here. see someone upset you know, the post-game spread. I want to get video. <laughs> Hello, Fizdale. I, you know, I was like, okay, he's got to be fired up. And I, and you're right. Maybe he did uh, lay it out to his players on the court and then, then uh, decided to back it up in the press conference, man. But, I, I, geez, I mean, after laying an egg like that at home. And, well, you know what it is, Steve? It's yeah. tough when, when you're trying to come back and the guys you have out there are Damian Dotson and Lucas Yeah, no, Cornette. no, listen. You know, when you got guys like they that. They don't have the players. We, it's very clear. Yeah, very clear. Yep. And Devin yep. Booker, it's, it's like you're fighting right. with one arm tied behind your back. You know? Right. The right. best you can do is make lemonade when you get lemons, but you can't make chicken salad out of chicken feathers. Yeah. You cannot. You know we've what? we've heard that before. You can't. That's you have to have talent. And you hey, next to. So next week we'll come back. We'll talk about our you know our favorite uh, stories for the, of the year. Kind of do our closing show. We'll do that next week, and that'll do hint, it. Red Sox, Red Sox, World yes, Series. Yes, and Sox, I think. Series, hint, hint, hint. Yeah, I think we'll be talking a little bit about that and some other things as well. Uh, close out the year, which we do every year. So that'll do it for this uh, this week's podcast. Steve Titchener here with uh, Matt Lachlan. We got uh, John McAlevey on the line. We'll catch you all next week and have a very Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll catch you before the new year. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.